98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station, Weekly Blast. Whether it's real or imagined, hope is a powerful thing. It can be a sports fan's greatest forever friend. And after one of the messiest opening months in recent memory, the Cardinals are 2-2 two and two and tied for first place, and the Cardinals have hope. Hope that their offense is finally ready to click. Hope that their defense might be okay as long as J.J. Watt remains on the field. Hope that their head coach can finally max out his talent like Vance Joseph seems to be doing with his. Hope that this time the Cardinals will run with their latest reprieve. Hope that the green horde of Eagle fans filling up State Farm Stadium on Sunday will make the Cardinals feel like a road team and not the team that seems only capable of playing dead at home. Now, odds makers do have their doubts. After four games, the Cardinals are a growing long shot to participate in the Super Bowl that Glendale is hosting and that's because oddsmakers look at teams with clarity and without heart, with zero emotion, and they see the Cardinals have struggled to beat two bad teams, went 15 quarters without holding a lead in regulation, and they still have a defense held together by storm doors and duct tape. But we have hope for another five days at least, which is way more than I thought we were going to have at halftime on Sunday. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable. They got two great locations. You can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I think our organization did a good job of, of vetting everything we needed to. Um, our medical staff does a tremendous job, and JJ was on top of everything as he is, and so uh, we felt like we were in a good place with it. Cliff Kingsbury yesterday talking at his press conference on the health of JJ Watt, which was a big story for the Cardinals even before Sunday's game in Carolina. I think will remain a big story. You talked about it in the blast. You talked about it earlier in the show, Bick. When J.J. Watt is on the field and available to start for the Arizona Cardinals, they win a lot of games. That winning percentage, very high when number 99 is out there. So that is key. And and I want to hit on something that Cliff Kingsbury said there, too, about the job that the organization did in vetting everything. There's another team under fire right now in the NFL for their handling of a head injury. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers... And Cameron Brait, their mm-hmm. tight end, he went back into the game after a, a two-minute concussion exam, and now there's all this swirl of controversy there. This is not a good couple weeks for the NFL on that on that front, no. certainly. So uh, the Cardinals did, you know, their due diligence on J.J. Watt, who emotionally admitted, "Hey, I thought about not playing, but." Mm-hmm. Uh, that was more just a, a personal psychological hurdle he had to get over, yeah. and, and a big one, by the right. way. But yeah, he is very important and, to and, them. And in the end, it added to the legend of J.J. Watt to make a stand that I am playing football regardless of this weird event that I dealt with in the middle of the week. But but I do think that matters. I do think J.J. Watt's presence on that football field with that defense does a lot for a defense that's got a lot of a lot of youth. And a lot of guys who kind of need that alpha shepherding them around a little mm-hmm. bit. And, and it's, and so the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, they've won nine of 10 regular season games with JJ Watt starting. 
on the field. And and so that, that can't all be coincidence, but I, I do think that this is going to be a different animal because you're, you're facing a physical team, a team that can run, a quarterback that's tough, who is a dual threat, and you're facing an Eagles defense that, that will, will, will play nasty with you. And so it's going to be a good, it's going to be a big test. And, and more to the point, at some point in time, this football team has got to stop this nonsense at State Farm Stadium. These lifeless performances, these disappointed crowds filing out at the end of the games. I've look, I've seen that enough, man. It was it was almost heartbreaking this last home game, just seeing these people just dejected, heads hanging, walking out again. And it's what seven consecutive home games. Seven now? consecutive home games. It's not healthy. And I think it, it it also the experience for the Cardinal fan who gets frustrated by that, and they should be frustrated because the Cardinals were a playoff team, and to have this split of of road success as opposed to home failures is strange. You don't see mm-hmm. it very often. Nope. But it's also affected by who the opposition is, and the Philadelphia Eagles are coming into town with a four and record. They've got brash, vociferous fans. That's a nice way to say it. Who want to come in and take over. Yep. And I've been there. I, I you know, I remember the days at Sun Devil mm-hmm. Stadium just feeling dejected of like, wow, I, it, it, we're outnumbered in our own stadium. It's not as, as severe as it used to be back in the day, but the Eagles fans can make you feel that way. Yeah, listen. So, so my buddy runs Rock Bar in Scottsdale, and that's a Eagles love bar. that place. Love that place. Alex Mundy, <laughs> that is a uh, that's that's an Eagles bar, and and the level of passion it's insane what they feel for their football team and what they will do for their football team, and so you're going to have Philadelphians coming here this weekend, and you're going to have a lot of Philadelphians who live here going to that game on Sunday. It's going to be very green in that stadium. It's going to be jarring, is what I'm saying. And that's the other thing is like the, the home road split thing is ridiculous and it goes back multiple seasons. But this particular season, the Cardinals have been particularly unlucky with who their home opponents are. The three best teams they've played are all going to be the home teams. And their two road games are their their worst teams that they've played. Yeah, but good teams beat teams at home. It doesn't matter. If well, that's bad supposed teams to be your advantage. Teams. You're supposed to want to play mm-hmm. the better teams at home because you have the home field advantage. On paper, the first five games should have worked out for the Cardinals that way, but it doesn't work out that way. It's, yeah, yeah. Listen, it's become very easy to buy sports tickets on a secondary market. There was a time when you had to go up and find that dude on the street corner, right? Oh yeah. And you know the dude who's asking, you need two, right? Yeah, the guy that's asking if he, if you've got any tickets for sale, when yeah. he's actually trying to sell them to you, yeah. holding up the cardboard sign, I need tickets. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, and so you had to do that <laughs> dance, and that dance is a dance a lot of people don't like to do. And so I think it just there's a lot of reasons for it, but man, as somebody who's been to almost every one of those games in Glendale, I think one I've missed. They, uh, it's it's not the same. It's not the same as it was, and a lot of that is is you know it's 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 a lot of things. Yeah. It's a lot of things. Going back to the point on JJ uh, Watt, and you talked about him being available to shepherd over the younger players. One guy that's really really reaping the benefits of that this year, Zach Allen, who's had a great year. He talked yesterday about the JJ uh, Watt situation. Help? Yeah, us. I mean it's uh, you know a very personal situation for him. So I don't know how much, but. Um, you know, the fact that he was able to kind of do what he did, um, you know, I think speaks volumes about the type of person and player he is. And, um, 
you know, obviously, you know, just hoping for the best. And, you know, it sounds like everything's going pretty well. So Zach Allen also talked about what we just talked about, playing well on the road and not so much at home. Yeah, I feel like that's like the magic question. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things. It's just coincidence probably. So, um, yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm, I mean, it's we could got a great atmosphere, great stadium. So the energy's always there. So, um, you know, hopefully we, we write that wrong this yeah. week. I don't know if coincidence lasts seven straight games. No, it doesn't. It I doesn't. don't know if coincidence lasts it four doesn't. straight games to where you can't get your offense started. These yeah. are these are dangerous trends that need to be reversed pretty quickly. They need they need to take that same power minded approach that they seem to be able to tap into on the road. They need to make that happen at home. Last chance to win tickets to see Black Keys next Monday at Auction Pavilion for the Dropout Boogie Tour. Just head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and to enter to win. Coming up next, yes, we will talk football. Jay Feely from CBS Sports will join us next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports yeah, we continue on the Tuesday edition of Bickley Marauder Mornings, live from the Auction Community Studio, still talking football, and joined by Jay Feely from CBS Sports, who checks in with us on the Arizona Sports Line. Jay, good morning. How are you? My apologies, Mayor Koopa. You know, I'm late coming on with you guys. I was doing an interview, and they ran a lot longer than they said, so ah, you can still find me. Ah, do you want to throw anybody <laughs> under the bus? On who's, no, don't do that, Jay. I'm just joking. Um, the, the, one of the themes that we've had uh, so far on the Monday show and early today, Jay, is you know, through four weeks, the Arizona Cardinals, look, they haven't played well consistently. They're 2-2. Two and two. When you look at the totality of what you've seen from them so far, how fortunate do you think they are to be 2-2 two and two at this point? Well, I think very fortunate. I think we talked before the season started, and I talked about just how hard those first four games would be, um, you know, because of the schedule and just the way that it laid out. And, and I think, you know, if you got through it 3-1, and one, you felt really good about yourself. 2-2, two and two, okay, we didn't ruin the season. You know, so and they ha- and they haven't played great football. Obviously, they could have lost their Raiders game, and you know they could have lost this game. I mean, they've found ways to win games, and, and you know, hopefully, they can grow, get better, get healthy. You know, there's a couple of play calls that just I, I scratch my head about throughout the season. I mean, this last week when you're fourth and in inches and you're back in shotgun, you know, I, I just don't understand that. Um, you can play this Eagles team; they're not going to be under uh, back in shotgun. They're going to be running right behind their great center with their physical quarterback. And, you know, I watched him do it like six times this last game. Um, and then, you know, there was another call when they, they took Kyler Murray and, and put him out wide and they ran, you know, with the running back and, and sitting there doing the wildcat. And I'm just going like, why? Like, what does that accomplish? Like right. Kyler Murray runs the ball. You already have wildcat. And you can throw the ball. You make it so much easier uh-huh. for the defense. So, Right. A couple of those plays, I just kind of scratched my head. Like, what are we trying to do here? <laughs> so, so, yeah, I totally agree with that. And so, you know, going into last week, there was a lot of noise around the Cardinals. LaShawn McCoy went off on Kyler Murray, called him trash. There was a lot of people unloading on Cliff, not just me. Uh, but when you look at this offense and the struggles they've had, can you believe they've turned a corner? What are, what are they not doing well at starts of football games? Vic, Dan, I'll tell you right here. All right, this is how I think. I think this week's game will be a telltale game for this team. 
for their head coach and play caller and their quarterback because I believe that they're going up against a better play caller and a better quarterback in, in the Eagles. And I think the Eagles are really what they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they do a better job. They, they have a better roster. They have a deeper roster for sure. I, I, I just did them last week. I think they have the deepest roster in the NFL. But what Jalen Hurts does that I really like, I'll give you a couple examples from this last week. And I don't think he's a better quarterback per se than, than Kyler Murray. Like I think Kyler's more talented. Um, but and he and he throws the ball better. Um, but I but I but I would take Jalen Hurts going forward if I were picking between the two of them. Jalen Hurts came into our production meeting with a briefcase. Now <laughs> it may just be like for show, <laughs> but but I think it was indicative of the way that he approaches the quarterback position. I've never seen a quarterback or anybody, any player, come in with a briefcase. That's great. But it's like he was businesslike about it. And when you talk to all those coaches, when he came in as a rookie and Carson Wentz was there, he approached it as the starter. And on Fridays, after they were done with practice, he would take coaches out there on his own, of his own will and, and run through the whole game plan as if he was going to be the starter and do those drills and just be the starter even though he wasn't the starter yet and still be somewhat deferential to Carson Wentz, you know, not stepping on his toes, but preparing to be the starter. And then this offseason, after one year as the starter, he goes to Nick Sirianni, his head coach, and he's like, "How? What do I need to do? How do I need to get better? Hey, you need to be more accurate. You need to understand the offense more. You got to get the ball quicker. Okay, who can I go to that's going to help me? All right, I'm going to go out to California. I'm going to get with Tom House and a couple other quarterback guys to help me be better. Right? He had the humility and the work ethic to do that. We've seen that in this year. Like he's a different quarterback this year. Yeah. And then the last thing is, I think he's very willing, and they are with play calling to utilize his legs." And, you know, I know your, your station has talked so much about how well the Cardinals do when Tyler runs the ball more than nine times a game and how poorly they do when he doesn't. You know, and I think you got to utilize all your skill sets and you got to do whatever's best for the team. And I just believe that Jalen Hurts embodied that. He will do what's best for the team, whatever it is. Yeah. If you need me to run the ball and be physical, I'll do that. If you need me to throw it deep and allow my playmakers to make plays, I'll do that. You want me to study? You want me to get more accurate? I, I just really like his approach to football, and I think they do an excellent job play calling. You know, you look at last year, they were struggling throughout the year. They became the number one rushing team in the NFL and made the playoffs with the young Jalen Hurts. You know, and this year, first, first four games, they're leading the NFL in – explosive plays and until last week when you're when you're playing in nasty weather and the rain you know they were going down the field and, and taking advantage of their playmakers and then last week it's rainy so what do you do okay we're going to run for 200 yards and we're going to pound the ball with our offensive line like i i just think nick sharon does a really good job of mixing it up week to week but taking advantage of the roster they have jay feely cbs sports analyst our guest here on uh, bickley and Murata mornings staying on the hertz topic and you talked about a lot of his prowess in running the football and you use the word physical and he is a physical runner and and, and probably one of the strongest quarterbacks just from a you know uh, fr- from a strength standpoint that we've ever seen but where is the concern level in philadelphia even with the play callers and the coaches about subjecting jalen hertz to that physical punishment at the quarterback position I don't think they have any. I don't. I think wow. they kind of take the approach that Buffalo does. Like, we're going to take advantage of our, our, our play caller, our, I mean, our quarterback and his skill set and what he can do well. And they, they don't take unnecessary shots with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you don't see him run, run a lot of quarterback power with him. Um, they do a lot of zone read. They did a ton of it in the game this last week. 
Um, they do some quarterback sneaks. They do some quarterback draws. And, and, and then they run a lot of deep routes when it's man-to-man where he can escape the pocket and pick up 10, 15 yards. That's where a lot of his yards have come from. And on those, he doesn't take any hits. And that's just, that, those are the plays I think Kyler can be just more aggressive in a day-to-day game. You know, and I think sometimes he gets caught up in trying to prove I'm a quarterback, you know, and I can throw it. I don't have to use my leg. No, utilize your skill set. It's what Josh Allen does so well. Yep. You know, he doesn't care if he doesn't run at all, if the, team's, if the team is successful, or he doesn't care if he's going to run it 15 times a game if the team needs to win a game. That's what he's going to do. And I, and I just think this offense will be much better when Kyler becomes – fully embrace in the weapon that he can be. And that's utilizing his legs to make this team the best offense they can be. You played at State Farm Stadium when there was an actual home field advantage for the Cardinals. What has happened to their home field advantage? Why is this team struggling so much more at home, in your opinion? I don't think it's the fans. You know, I mean, they're, they're still selling out, and those fans are they're ready. Like, Arizona loves the Cardinals. They want them to win. They want them to succeed. I don't know what it is about this team and playing, you know, playing at home. I mean, that's a that's a question that Cliff has got to answer, has got to figure out. Um, but you know, you you go into you go into games or you go into the season, right? And you're like, hey, let's be a hundred percent at home. Let's win all our games at home. Let's win half our games in a row. We're making the playoffs. You know, I've heard that from many different teams. You know, win our games at home, have win half our games, and we're going to be we're going to be number one. Yeah. Team. You know, and, and you have to have that mentality, like that you're going to win at home when you're not traveling, when you're not going on the road, and, and you know that stadium better than anybody. You're going to have a home field advantage. You're going to be able to, you know, make the, the opposing offense be uncomfortable and use silent and all that kind of stuff. So they they got to figure that out because you give up one of your big advantages. Yeah. Uh, Jay Feely, our guest. Jay, before we let you go, i got a kicking question for you because we saw Matt Prater mm. go out uh, for the Cardinals. Eno yeah. Benjamin gets pressed into kickoff duty. Who is the best <laughs> emergency kicker you ever played with, even though maybe the uh, world never saw him kick? All right. Well, I mean, the guy Justin Reed's the best emergency kicker there is. But yeah, we saw yeah, that. That was man. pretty impressive. Man, was that impressive. Danny, Danny Woodhead. I'm going to go with Danny Woodhead. Oh. Um, because Danny was a pretty good player. You know, obviously running back. He never got to kick. Uh, but Rex Ryan always had guest kicker on Friday. It was awesome. <laughs> and you could, you could sign up, right? And, and then we'd stop practice on Friday. And he'd bring everybody over, and everybody would bet whether or not you know they, they were going to make it. It might be an offensive lineman or defensive <laughs> lineman, whoever signed up. And you know, you'd start with an extra point, and if you made it, you could like double your money if you kept going back on field goals. It was, it was so much fun. We had a blast watching all these guys try to kick field goals. And I think Danny Woodhead went back to like eight forty-five yards. He made wow. like two or four in a row. That's... He made a lot of money that day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Jay, always good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us Thanks, this morning. Jay. We appreciate it. See you guys. Take care. Jay Feely, CBS Sports uh, NFL analyst. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, in a lot of ways, the Phoenix Suns have arrived. There's good and bad to both of that. We'll focus on maybe the negative side next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Does it bother you that so many people are happy to see you fail? Absolutely not. But at the end of the day, um, all the people that was rooting on me to fail, um, you know, at the end of the day, they got to wake up tomorrow, have the same life that they had um, before they woke up today. You know, they got the same personal problems that they had 
today. You know, and I'm going to continue to live the way I want to live and continue to do the things that I want to do uh, with me and my family and be happy with that. So, um that's uh, LeBron James from the NBA Finals press conference 2011 answering a question about, does it bother you that so many people hate you? Why are we playing that 11-year-old mm-hmm. soundbite uh, on this radio show this morning in the middle of football season? That's what I was thinking when you played it. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got your interest now. Uh, that's a screenshot that Devin from that press conference that Devin Booker posted on Instagram. You know, is it cryptic? Yes. Is everything that players do on social media cryptic now these days? Yes. Yes. Uh, is it annoying? Yes. But it's interesting yeah. that Devin Booker might be feeling a little bit of, you know, the, the the black hat effect is what some people call it. Yeah. I think that, as we said earlier, the Suns, uh, they, they were a very swaggy basketball team last year. There were a lot of things they did that we loved that were not appreciated by outsiders and other teams and other fans and other markets. And as soon as that train slammed into the wall against Luka, it's been open season. Um, I think Devin Booker's been brutalized by Mavericks fans, and that's the game. That's the game. Uh, he engaged in it. He got burned, and these are the consequences. But I, this is twice now. Devin Booker on social media has pointed out how many people are real gleeful about Failures associated with the Phoenix Suns, and you know what? It, maybe it happening earlier, early against this this team from Australia. Maybe it's maybe it's going to give them something of a wake up call. Maybe. Just how thick it is out there if they mess up. But this isn't all geared towards Devin Booker. Yes, he has his detractors nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, people still feel, for whatever reason, that he's overrated. Uh, you know, they have a, f- a problem with him being the cover athlete for 2K23, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that but is this ridiculous. He is the face of the Phoenix Suns, but you hit on something. Mm-hmm. The swagger that they showed last year, you know, the tunnel stuff and, and JaVale McGee being the, the ringleader of all yeah. that. They really thrived on that in the regular season. I mm-hmm. think people took a lot of joy in watching that team fall short of their goal. They did. Any team that Chris Paul is on is going to get a lot of... National criticism mm-hmm. outside of the city that he plays in and outside of the real, real basketball fans who appreciate greatness. Chris Paul is not well liked. No, that's part of it as well. Yeah. The Robert Sarver situation. Another one. People that have not been following the story closely were, ah, that owner, he's no good. They got to sell that. to I can't root for a team that's owned by that guy. All of these things are in the mix now. Yes. I'm very curious to see. It didn't work last year. They fell flat on their face last year. But after, you know, a few months of letting that stew coming back with largely the same crew, but a couple of key guys missing that added that swagger that was unpopular around mm-hmm. the league, mm-hmm. how much they can use that as fuel? Yeah, are, are they I, equipped I hope, to? I, yes, I hope the answer is yes, yes, yes. I, I do. I wonder about this because a lot of people who were at that game, uh, the the game against Australia, not a lot, a, a few, have mentioned that the vibe felt a little wonky. Just you could feel the uncomfortableness. If you, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it's going to be to me a question of how is this basketball team going to get that back? How are they going to get that vibe back? How are they going to focus on the regular season after the way the postseason ended? How are they not going to just be counting the seconds until they can get redemption in the playoffs this year? I think 
I've wondered about that for years, Jarrett, and I think that's more of a fan phenomenon than a player phenomenon, honestly. I remember during the Steve Nash era when the Suns would get eliminated from the playoffs. Often painfully. Often painfully. There was that feeling, A, uh, they're not going to win a championship again, and then B, they're still really good. Can we fast forward over 82 games just to get to the playoffs again? But I think the fans feel that way more than the players do. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. Um, so, so I think I, I've just got concerns with the makeup of the roster. I see less of a basketball team and not more. And and the idea that Dario Saric is going to be a, a big contributor. Why didn't he play on Sunday? What? Well, Monty Williams was asked that after the game. Jock Landale got the backup five minutes behind DeAndre Ayton. And he did some good things. He didn't shoot the ball especially well. But he was active on the boards, keeping balls alive on the offensive glass. But Monty uh, was asked, why play Jock? over Dario. It's just hard to play that many bigs and Dario, you know, he's this is a lot for him to come back and play after a year over a year out. Um, and so we'll, we'll get him some time in the preseason so he can get some reps. I just wanted to see Jock with that second group because it's looked good in camp. Um, and I, I think that's a group that we can grow. And this is, you know, probably the most Jock has played um, in a long time. But we, we feel like he can give us um, an added punch. Because he's athletic, he can rebound, he can knock down shots. He didn't knock down shots like he has been in practice, but we feel like he can. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with all of that. I, I would agree more with Monty Williams had Dario Sharts not played a key role uh, in, so in Euro, Euro basket. He played, he's not coming off a long. He played high intensity absence. basketball in, in an international tournament recently. Mm-hmm. I think what this means, and this might be completely off base, and we'll find out in time. When Dario gets time this preseason, I don't think it's going to be backing up Aiton. I think it's going to be at the backup four. Oh. I think Tory Craig's spot as the backup four right now is, is in peril. I'll and say it that. should be. I'll say that. <laughs> so, so you're saying that Dario comes in for Cam Johnson? Yes. Cam. Cam. Johnson? Johnson? Dario. Sarich? Which gives them more size. Sarich? I mean, Dario is a legit 6'10". I think he's a better shooter than mm-hmm. than uh, Torrey Craig. I think he's a better distributor. He can initiate offense better than Torrey Craig can. He can't really defend the perimeter, though. No, he's not the defensive player that Craig is. I mean, that's the, that's the big advantage. Or that with, Cam with Johnson and Jay Crowder. And I think a lot of that rotation. is fluid, too, because it depends on how it, you know that second unit is scoring. Is, is Landry Shamit an offensive force? Is he a guy that you can count on for, for bench production? Um, he wasn't last year no. in, in different spots. Um, that's the big issue. When you Cameron Payne or, or Cam Johnson away from the, that that bench and into the starting lineup, who's going to score points on that second unit? And that's what we went into the offseason saying is they need to upgrade the backup point guard and they need to get a scoring punch off the bench, and they didn't do either thing. And and with all of that being known, why did they have to take the step to tell Jay Crowder his starting job was gone and that, according to Gambo, you're not going to play closing minutes either? Why would you say that? Yeah, that's That last part is crazy. Well, let how me you say, determine that ahead of time? Yeah. Let me say this. Jay Crowder is no Jordan Hicks. Jordan yes, Hicks true. got told something similar, and he showed yeah. up for work. Right, that's true. And he wound up and starting. Actually, <laughs> and had to start the whole season. Played like 90% of yeah, the snaps, for goodness right. sakes. 
So I I don't know. I mean, it's I would I would consider that, but I think you're right. I think that that ship has sailed. I don't think they're going back on that. But yeah, it's it's some interesting questions and and some cur- some concerns that came out of that game. But really, the takeaway that is real, given the fact that it's a preseason game, is just the the hate slash vitriol slash enjoyment people get at watching this basketball team fail. Yeah. And it was an extreme example because it was an NBL team who shot lights out. 30-point underdog. And people are poking at him. What's worse, though? That or, I mean, they play the Lakers on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. The Lakers opened up their preseason last night and got blown out by 30 by Sacramento. Yeah, but that's an NBA team. And LeBron James went 0 for 7. (laughs) (laughs) Sacramento Kings. Well, who's that? I would take Adelaide over the Kings in a seven-game series. Yeah, okay. Okay. (laughs) I mean... Because the Kings don't know what a seven-game series really is. <laughs> well, 20 years ago. It's been a while. Yeah. Coming up next, all four teams in the NFC West, even in the standings. But how even are they perception-wise? We'll get into it. And the Cardinals place in that mix next. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. As we head into week five in the NFL, the entire NFC West knotted up at two and two after the San Francisco 49ers beat the uh, Los Angeles Rams 24 to nine on Monday Night Football last night. Uh, it's been weird. The 49ers have had two strange losses. They lost in week one to mm-hmm. Chicago. They lost an 11 to 10 game to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, but they looked very businesslike. Now, going back to what Jay, Jay Feely said, it was like the 49ers showed up last night with briefcases for that game. Yeah. Yeah. And they handled the Rams pretty easily. They did, and they've had a history of handling the Rams recently. It's seven consecutive regular season games, and it just the level of physicality that they display, that is something that sets them apart. Defensively, they are going to hit you in the next week, and offensively, you have to tackle these guys. They are not going down by themselves. And it's uh, in terms of physicality, they are setting the bar in this division. And the Seahawks probably aren't that far behind, and they're going to be an interesting team as well. I don't think any of us saw this this division playing out like this. No. Um, because I'm not kidding you. In the Seattle Times this morning, there's a couple of different stories saying, you know what? Geno Smith is a star. That's what they're saying. Geno Smith is got he's if not the highest rated quarterback in some metrics, he's top five in terms of how he's graded out. Now he's been I think really we, good. I think we all know Geno Smith's not that guy, but you know what? You gotta you gotta give him his due. And and that offense, they weren't scoring 45 points when Russell Wilson was there last few years. So to me, I, I, where this whole thing going is going is anybody's guess. But I do think that the 49ers, spiritually, last night put down a statement that, that you are all chasing us. That we are the team to beat in this division. And I think that's accurate. I, I think the Rams, until they get that offense on track and, and Matthew Stafford does not look the same. Then again, he was under a ton of pressure last night. Geno Smith is currently fifth in QBR and third in quarterback rating in the entire NFL. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tungavailoa are the only two guys that have a higher quarterback rating right now. And it's not by much. 1.9 points for Tua 
and point four points better is Patrick Mahomes. Geno Smith's been great. Yeah. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson from ESPN had an interesting, Never uh, heard of him. interesting comment <laughs> on how Seattle is viewing Geno Smith right now. Coach has a certain philosophy. In his philosophy with Geno Smith, he says himself, we won doing this. Why would I pay Russell Wilson? Because he would have to pay Russell Wilson $200 million. Why would I pay $200 million if I can get the same thing I'm looking for out of Geno Smith for us in Seattle? Whatever Denver decides to do, let Denver do Yeah, um, yeah, there's a, a cheaper version, and so far it's paid off. Geno Smith, this is not sustainable, though. Mm-hmm. Geno Smith, if you go back to college, there was about a half a season when he was at West Virginia where he probably was a two-to-one favorite to win the Heisman. Faded down the stretch. Has struggled to be consistent as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh-huh. He's completing 77% of I his know. passes right now. I know. It's, it's not sustainable. Uh, well, it, there are people who are claiming, but Geno Smith has never gotten the second chance. Like Josh Rosen, how many chances has he had? Okay, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that this is going to last, but but he is playing at a very high level right now. Yes. It's, it's, it, it's interesting. I would say you, you could make a case... You could make a case right now that Matthew Stafford's the worst quarterback in the division. Oof! At the at at the rate current rate of play. Yeah, he did not look good last night. You mentioned the pressure that he was under. Uh, and here was Matthew Stafford after the loss to the 49ers. One of those games we knew it was going to be a, a battle. Um, you know, we weren't we weren't good enough. You know, myself and you know, first and foremost in the red zone, had some opportunities to put some points up and, and didn't uh, didn't get touchdowns there. And that's you know probably the difference in the game. You know, there were some plays that. Um, you know we can execute better, um, whether it's throwing and catching or, or just assignment wise. So um, a lot to clean up. Proud of the way we fought. Um, give them a lot of credit. It's a good football team, but uh, like you said, one possession game. You know we make a critical error there, and they, they capitalize on it, and, and that was that. Yeah, another pick six. Matthew Stafford went through that rash of pick six uh, sixes midway through last season. I wonder and how he much throws talk- a ton of them. I wonder how much talk there is in LA about it doesn't look right. How's that arm feeling? It's not it lingering. I mean, there's probably some talk, but if the Rams don't get that offensive line right, they're finished anyway. Oh, yeah. That's, that offensive line is a disaster. I mean, the fact that, and you pointed this out, the fact that Joey Bosa had 14 <laughs> pressures individually last night, that is an Aaron Donald kind of number. That's what Aaron Donald did to the Cardinals once. But here's why I think San Francisco, even with all teams even, is the team to beat in agreement with you. 2-0 in the division. They beat Seattle by 20 points, and they handled the Rams. They've given up a total of 16 points in those two division games. They lead the league in points against. This is not going to be a flashy, uh, consistent offensive team, although they got playmakers, and, and Debo Samuel's a beast, mm-hmm. and Brandon Ayuk can, can do similar things. They have George Kittle, but they rely on that defense. I think they're going to be just fine. And that's the thing with the switch of quarterback is that, okay, maybe their ceiling got lowered a little bit. Yeah. But their floor got raised a ton. Because you know Jimmy G is not going to you know go out and lose you games, and he's going to let the defense in the running game and stuff sure. win. But yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo made some great throws last night. And I'd be willing to bet if you could rewind to week one and Jimmy Garoppolo was the starter for week one in, in, in Chicago against the Bears— the 49ers are 3-1 and one at worst right now. At worst. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're right about that. 
So it's a, it's been a very interesting opening month of the season, and we're all square. <laughs> well, it's interesting. That coming. It is interesting too because you mentioned this. Um, the four, uh, the Seahawks' next two games in division are both against the Cardinals. Uh, a week from Sunday in Seattle, and then November sixth in Arizona. So that's you know twice in four weeks those two teams are going to face each other. I don't know which team is better right now. Uh-huh. I'm impressed that the Seattle Seahawks had the ability to put up 48 points against anybody, even if it was the Detroit Lions. The Cardinals have not had one 40-point game under Cliff Kingsbury as head coach. That is astonishing. That, that is astonishing. Whenever you bring that up, it, yeah. it doesn't even make sense. No. It does. The Lions have like four of them this season. Yeah. The Lions. It doesn't make you know. It doesn't make any sense. But it, it to me the thing about the Seahawks is is they've got a they've got a spirit to them. They are they're playing very very hard. They're playing with belief. You know. And it's why like, wouldn't you? You got Dookie Medcalf, right, Jarrett? Now you're talking. <laughs> oh, come on, Jarrett. My clinch walk was not going to make it. clinch walk. Yeah, right. The the blank cart. I don't feel like I can say that That's first right, word, no. but it rhymes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I assume I can't say that first word. <laughs> no. To begin with an S? Yeah, yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Stool? No. Oh. <laughs> shut up, Jared. <laughs> it's the shut up, Jared cart. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell will take us through some social studies on Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata. It is Bickley Murata Mornings. Live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios on this Tuesday, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.